If you've got your Bibles, if you would go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read verses 23 through 29 today. First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. And if you're able, would you stand to your feet to honor God's word this morning? This is what the word of God says. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version today. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Lord, bless your word today and speak to all of our hearts. In your holy name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Communion is uh, such a special thing. It's a, uh, an, it's a sacrament. It's one of the sacraments. We have foot washing and water baptism. And, you know, uh, foot washing is the one we really want to stay away from. Amen. That's the one that we get real nervous about. If you, if you ever see a water, I, I expect if I ever have a water basin and some towels up here, I expect people to start feeling real nervous on a Sunday morning thinking, you know, make us take our shoes off and wash each other's feet. And you never know what might happen. And uh, I would even not be surprised if a few people scurried out the back on that one. But uh, communion is one that we are more familiar with, uh, is more common for us uh, in the church. And it's one everybody is, doesn't, most of the time really doesn't get too nervous about communion. Uh, it's something we have done since we were kids. Uh, how many have taken communion before by a showing of hands? You've taken communion. See, it's, it's something we've all done. It's something we've all been a part of. And I, I find, though, that this has led to a, a little bit of an issue. And the issue being we've become so familiar with it, and it's something that has been done so many times that it has become something that the significance of it in our life has become lower. We, we look at communion, it's like, oh, we just do it, it's a sign, yeah, we remember the sacrifice of Christ, and, and we forget the weight of it, we don't always hold in our hearts the heaviness of what we're doing. Communion is, is an act of worship, it's an act of time of intimacy with God. And, and so many times we just do it, and we go through the motions, and uh, all churches do it a little different. Some set a time once a month. Some set aside time once a year even. Uh, I, I do it as the Lord leads, uh, and I believe as time comes for us to have that with him as a good reminder. 
Uh, I don't want it to ever be so regular that it becomes a, a just a commonplace thing. I want it to always be a thing of reverence and a time of worship and intimacy with God. The, the word communion actually means an exchanging of intimate feelings and thoughts. And it actually even says in a spiritual nature, if you Google it, it, it Google's a wonderful source of definitions, and it a lot of times leads to great revelation. You know, we take communion, and we don't realize that it is truly an intimate exchange between us and God. You see, when he sat down with his disciples at the Last Supper, and uh, we, this is where we get the phrase of, oh, we broke bread together. Has anybody ever used that phrase or heard somebody say that? You know, like, hey, we broke bread together, or let's break bread together. And, and I think we just take that even in, into a common realm and say, oh, it's just sharing a meal together. No, in this culture, in this time, this was a special time together. This was a time of deep, great fellowship where people would come together in unity and the breaking of the bread symbolizes a time of fellowship. And when Jesus broke the bread, he was inviting people into fellowship with him, being at the head of the table. And all of this, all of this stuff is leading to this intimacy with Christ and worship and time with him. And I don't want us to ever, ever look at communion as something just common and simple and just a simple act that we do because, well, we're Christians and it's just something a Christian does. There are things that have become tradition and have lost their value in the church, and I don't want us to ever lose that. I want us to talk about the elements here for just a moment. First being the bread, Jesus says, this is my body given for you. Some, some of the Gospels or some translations will read, this is my body broken for you. But I want to take a look at both sides of that because while it was also broken for us, it was also given for us. And you're like, doesn't that mean the same thing? Yes, it does. But I also, in prayer, God showed me something a little bit different uh, and, and a different way to think about this as I, as I studied this. And, and I want us to get this as first and foremost as it has been broken for us. His brokenness has led to our wholeness. See, when his body was on that cross, Isaiah 53 talks about it, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. He was bruised for our iniquities. He went through so much physical brokenness. His body was ripped to shreds. He was nailed to a cross and, and pierced in his side. And, and he, he went through so much pain and suffering and brokenness. It, it was to the point where some scholars say if you didn't know any better, you would never have been able to recognize him. He was beaten to where his bones were being exposed. And I'm not trying to make anybody's stomach turn this morning, but I, I want us to understand the depth and the, and the pain and, and the power of his brokenness. Because as he said, my body was broken for you. And he says, I give this for you to take. When we take of the bread, we are reminding ourselves and we are taking into this intimate moment the reality that everything that Isaiah 53 prophesied that he was broken for, we can receive today. We can have peace because he was broken. We can have healing because he was whipped. We can have, we can have wholeness because he was so broken down. 
And today, when we talk about communion, and, and Jesus has broken this bread, he said, listen, I want you to remember something, that my body was broken for you. I want you to understand that, that, I, what, and that he hadn't gone through it yet, and the, so the disciples weren't really sure what he was talking about in that moment. But as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11 that we just read, it became clear and is portrayed here with an understanding now of the pain and suffering that he went through. And because of it, we can have a newness and a wholeness of life. See, when we take of the bread, it's not just us taking bread to just have a moment of remembrance. It is an intimate act of worship. A time, an exchange of feelings and thoughts that we have. This is so significant because when was the last time in communion that you really held that bread in your hand and you, and you held on to it and you really thought about everything he went through for you? When did you have that exchange of thoughts and feelings with him as he expressed his love through you through the bread and, and you expressed your gratitude to him through the receiving of it? When, when was the last time you took communion that you really understood and you really entered into the intimate place with him to where as you partook of that bread, you knew and you felt the significance of it? Because it's not a commonplace thing. I cannot stress this enough. It was such a deep, deep, intimate thing. And it's a good reminder to us that in this spiritual exchange, there is a relationship and a bond that is formed that we become united with him. Uh, uh, Paul writes in Romans 6, 5, he tells us that we are united with him in death and in the newness of life. There is a unity that comes in our life. In Galatians 2.20, he says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I live, I now live by faith in the one who died and gave himself for me. In other words, through this intimate act of the sacrifice of his life on the cross for us and this relationship we have, there is a unity, a coming together, a fellowship, as I mentioned earlier, that we now have with Christ in a deep way that you may have never had before. Communion's not a snack. I, I remember when I was a kid, and I, and I just didn't know any better. I was in the adult service on a Sunday morning because I was being stubborn, and I said, I'm not going into kids' church. I want to be with the adults. And I can remember making a comment after communion, and I was ignorant, and I was corrected on it. Rest assured, I, I learned the true meaning of communion, but they, they did it, the, the, the big old, we use the wafers here, but they had the crackers, and like you see in the picture here, the, the big thick crackers and all that, and I made a comment after communion, I said, man, I'm glad they did this today because I was getting hungry, and I was ready to leave and go eat lunch. I, I, I made that comment, and I was corrected, and that's not what it's about, son, and I learned that lesson. My wife told me uh, about memories she had growing up, not again, not knowing the significance of it as, as a child. Uh, in the country church, my father-in-law, who pastored uh, for the 17 years there, right? They did communion. They used Hawaiian rolls, and they would snag a few extra Hawaiian rolls so they would have a snack during church, not understanding it. I want you to understand today that, like I said, this is not just a common meal with God. 
you'll eat that when you go to the restaurant later or when you go home and eat whatever's in the crock pot. It's not just a, a common meal where you just say, hey, Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it to our bodies. This is an intimate time of worship. This is not a normal dinner. This is a, the Lord's Supper. This is time with Him, fellowship with Him. And when we take of the bread, we need to understand this, that it's not just a snack. It's not just a meal. And it's not even just a common meal with the Lord, but it is a time of intimate fellowship with Him as we remember and receive the brokenness that He gave for us that we may receive wholeness. The next thing He took was the cup of the new covenant. Uh, I love this. As I was in prayer, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you notice in this Lord's Supper in this time of communion, they drank the cup. And he reminded me in the old covenant, they used to take the blood and they would sprinkle it on the mercy seat to be forgiven, to to hold back God's wrath. And and he spoke to me and he told me in prayer, he said, "You, you notice something here that under the old covenant, so the cup is the new covenant. On the old covenant, there was an external work But under the new covenant, as you drink of the cup that represents the blood of the new covenant, you are receiving an inward cleansing and purification of your sins. You see, Paul even talks about in Romans, he says, and even in Hebrews, it talks about how the shedding of blood of the lamb for sacrifice, they did it all the time. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about this. It says, and it was never enough to take away the sins, but Christ himself made one sacrifice for all time, and it was enough to satisfy the requirement of the law. And in this last supper, Jesus was saying, and again, his disciples did not know it in the moment, but he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. And when you take of it, remember me. In other words, you used to have to sacrifice animals. You used to have to shed the blood of lambs. You used to have to worry about external things. He says, but now under this new covenant, because you now have a deep fellowship with me, an intimate relationship with me, I poured out my blood for you. I'm going to purify you and cleanse you from the inside out. Because the external sacrifice could never satisfy because it never changed the sinner. It just forgave the sin. But now we have a newness of life and a refreshing work of God doing something on the inside of us. And I thank God for that because I cannot even imagine just even on the lowest level of of the significance of this, having to sacrifice animals every Sunday as we came together. I cannot imagine having to live my life under the burden of sin all the time. I am thankful today for the blood of the new covenant because it allows me to be a transformed, changed person of God to where I can step in freedom and deliverance today. And Jesus says when you take of this cup, you you are remembering and reminding yourself of the new covenant, of the blood that was shed, of the work that he is doing and has done inside of all of us to sanctify us, to purify us, to change our hearts and change our minds. And I am grateful for that. You see, today we use grape juice. Back then, they called it wine. 
you can, there's so many different scholarly things out there about did they use grape, did they use what we call grape juice today, or did they use actual wine with alcohol in it? I'm not going to get into all of that. But one thing I can tell you is that there is a, a significant thing when you look at it through the lens of wine, because Ephesians 5.18 tells us, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord showed me that because, uh, that in this scripture that there is a, a, uh, a comparison being made. He revealed to me that there is, and bear with me on this, that there is a similarity between being filled with wine and being filled with the Holy Spirit. I promise I'm going somewhere. Don't get nervous on me this morning. I'm not saying go out and get drunk today. I'll say that up front. But what I'm telling you is that there is, there is characteristics that are similar, but yet those two things are so very different at the same time. There's a reason why in Acts chapter 2, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and endued with power from on high, when they came out of the upper room, they were accused of being drunk because there is something that happens to a person when you are filled with the Holy Spirit that makes you act in a way that you didn't normally act before. And in this case, where wine would lead to debauchery, as Ephesians 5.18 says, that the Spirit being filled with the Spirit leads to righteousness. But where the similarities are is that wine and alcohol in general is a mind-altering and behavior-altering thing to partake of. The problem is, is what it alters the mind and the behaviors to is debauchery, sinful living, sinful acts. But when you are filled with the Spirit... It leads to righteousness and holiness and to relationship with God, to being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, to speak in a new language, to being filled to where you have empowerment to preach the gospel to the nations, to being filled to where you have an anointing on your life to pray for people and see them be healed, to see lives changed and restored forever for good things. There, there is this relationship there. And so when you look at the cup itself, there is a symbolism that under the new covenant, the transformation that happens alters everything about you. It's not just the wine of alcohol. It, it represents the wine of the new covenant, the blood of the new covenant, which impacts us in a way that should alter the way we think and the way we behave and live our lives. Let me say it like this. Holiness is still right. And when we partake of the cup, it is a symbolic gesture that as we take in the new covenant blood and we partake of the cup, we are declaring that we are changed people. That the way we used to think is no longer the way we think now because our mind has been altered the way we used to act and the way we used to live isn't the way we act and live anymore because our behavior has been altered. But it's not been altered for debauchery and for sin and for lawlessness, but it has been altered for righteousness and holiness and power of the Holy Spirit. Are you still with me this morning? I also, I'm on a rabbit trail here for just a moment. I also believe that this is why wine is such a temptation for many believers in the church today. Why alcohol is such a big temptation because it is the alternative. It's the world's alternative. 
to what God has to offer. He says, as we take this cup, he says, do it in remembrance. Remembering the sacrifice of Christ does a couple things. First, it leads us to honor his sacrifice with our lives. The scripture tells us, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And it's hard to live your life worthy of the gospel if you don't even remember what the gospel is. If you don't understand new life in Christ, if you don't understand forgiveness of sins, if you don't understand the holiness that comes through Christ, it's hard to live your life in that manner. But when we partake of communion together, we are remembering this, and it is something that should stir up in our hearts all the goodness of God. Everything that He is, as it is His body and His blood, it should remind us of His character, His his attributes, His life that He lived on this earth, and everything that He represents, and everything that He is. And the Bible tells us that He is the Word made flesh, and it should remind us of the Word of God, and it should lead us to a place that we remember him in such a way that we honor it and honor him with our lives. Secondly, I mentioned this earlier, but it reminds us of his brokenness and it reminds us where we can find our wholeness. I'll never forget there was a time in my life and I wish I could tell you I'm not much of a crier, but you just saw it there at the beginning as we talked about my dear friend who's now with the Lord. But I'll never forget, there was one time I took communion that it totally changed my perspective on communion because I felt guilty to the, the just routineness of it. But I had just moved out of my hometown. We were at a new church uh, experiencing a move of God that was a little bit unfamiliar to me. Uh, we, uh, don't get me wrong, I grew up in a phenomenal church with phenomenal people and a wonderful pastor with great integrity and knew the word and preached the word and, and all of those things, but there was something wrong with me. I'm not blaming the church. I'm saying with me, there was a season of life I had entered into where I was experiencing God in a new way, and there was a service where there was communion taking place, and I'll never forget this as long as I live, but we were coming up to receive the communion, and as the cup and the bread was placed in my hands, I broke down. Because it was, there was a wonderful, beautiful teaching given on it, and for the first time, I really truly understood the depth of, of what was taking place. And, and, I, and I had this, this brokenness inside of me of gratitude and thankfulness for what God had done for me and for what Christ did on that cross. And it, and it changed me and my approach to communion. And it reminded me that as in that season of my life, I was trying to figure out my calling and my purpose and, and what I was supposed to do in this world. And there is some anxiety and some depression that came along with that season as well. That in that moment, it was like it clicked. Like everything I need is found in Him. All of my brokenness, can be restored in him. All of my purpose can be found in him. It was in that moment as I took that bread and that cup in my hand that I realized that he, he gave himself for me in a way that now as I remember it, I am remembering where I can find everything that I need in my life. Going back to worship, be, or to communion being an intimate act of worship, we should be reminded of who Christ is. 
And as I partook of that, I, I found something new or something that has always been there, but it was new to me. And that it was I could find the wholeness of everything that I needed in there and in him. Finally, I, I want to remind you what the scripture said at the end. Paul tells us that we need to not partake of communion in an unworthy manner. Now, there's two, two sides of this. Number one being we need to not partake of communion from a place of where we are just living a sinful, sinful life. We need to be worthy. And what I mean by worthy is we need to repent of our sins and we need to be made right with God. Because when we have repentance with him, we have the worthiness that he bestows upon us. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, but his righteousness comes upon us. And we, and we now are made worthy and we are made holy through his blood. And, and you need to first be right in your relationship with Christ before you partake of communion. But as I was studying this, I also learned that what Paul is talking about here is what I mentioned earlier. Don't take it for granted. Understand what you are doing when you take communion. Do not take it as a common act, but understand the depth of it. And Paul says that before we take it, to make sure that we are not doing it in an unworthy manner, we should take time to examine ourselves and make sure that we are in right relationship that we are saved, and that we are taking it in a way that really honors what it represents. So we're going to get ready to take communion here in just a moment. I'm just going to ask first that you would just bow your heads and close your eyes with me.